Hey, Brandon here. Welcome back to Transform Your Workplace. If you're listening for the first time, thank you for giving us a shot. And if you're a recurring listener, thank you for the support. Really appreciate it. Hey, a couple quick things before we talk about today's topic. First off, we do an annual survey, which you've probably heard about by now. It's called the What People Want From Work Survey. Zenium's been doing this for, I believe it's the fourth year. And we do this every time during the summer. It's a free survey where you can really start to measure what your people want out of the work, what they appreciate about the work, what they think of leadership, their comp, their benefits, all that stuff. So go to zeniumhr.com forward slash survey, and we'll definitely put a link in the show notes so you can quickly get to it. But go sign up. You have till July 31st, 2019 to sign up. We would love your participation. It's a really valuable survey. That's all I want to say there. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we have built out a really good library of e-learning courses that are great for emerging leaders. And even there are some ones that are just focused on employees as well. So we we have like harassment and we actually have a specific California one and one for New York because there are specific laws there. But anyways, we have a whole library. There's time management, there's HR basics, there's leadership essentials. There's so many great courses. We have a subscription for all that. And I want to offer for the listeners, there's a promo code 19 off. If you use the number 19 off, you'll get $19 off for the first year. And it makes it only $100 for a year. And you have unlimited access to all the courses in our library, which is about 10 of them. And then you have ongoing access to anything we build. So if we build a new course, you automatically get access. So go check that out. We'll put a link up. It's zenimhr.com forward slash courses. But again, in the show notes, there'll be a link so you can go subscribe. Okay, housekeeping items aside, wanted to tell you that Josh Schneider's today's guest. He wrote the book, Five Days to Your Best Work Yet, A Human-Like Approach to Better Work. I don't know about you. I'm a huge self-help junkie. I I can't get enough of it. I'm always trying to figure out how to learn, develop, motivate myself, get my time management together, be happy at work and in life, all that stuff. And so this is right up my alley. I do feel like, especially if we're trying to transform the workplace through this podcast, What we need is to develop ourselves individually as contributors and as leaders. And part of that is we've got to learn, obviously, the theories, got to learn how to do stuff, but we also got to take care of ourselves and jumpstart our development or motivation. So I definitely want to mix in a lot more of the self-help type content in the podcast. I hope you enjoy that. Let me know if you want more of it, if you want less of it. I'm really just trying to try this out and see if it's going to work for you and the audience. I really think it's the right thing to do, but let me know. Josh is great. I think you're going to really like this discussion. I'll step out of the way. Enjoy. Definitely go to Apple Podcasts. Please give us a five-star review. It really helps us grow this audience and gets people like you listening to the podcast because we're out to transform the workplace. So let's go do it. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Hey, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you on, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so you wrote a book, Five Days to Your Best Work Yet, Human-Like Approach to Better Work. You just had baby number three. The question (laughs) for you is, are you doing your best work right now? (laughs) You know, I'm trying. I 
take these pills in the morning. They're called neuro something. And so <laughs> as long as I can make it down to those, I take four of them within a half an hour, I'm in good shape. <laughs> but in all seriousness, so like you've had a long career. I believe you started as a CPA. In correct in saying world. that? Yeah. So you were in this like, you know, I don't want to throw that whole industry under the bus, but it's a little boring, a little stiff. What did you learn in that part of your career that led you to writing a book that's really about doing your best work? You know, I walked in day one with this expectation that I was going to be a partner in 10 years and like 80 hour weeks, 90 hour weeks, whatever it took. That was like how I walked in. And it seemed, I mean, I joke by 9.32 a.m. on day one, I was like, what am I doing here? And I just started to notice people saying things like, I'm living the dream. Or people were escalating their financial lifestyle and it almost seemed like their energy was getting lower as a result of it. Like normally you think, hey, I get this new car, I get this new house, I should have more energy. And I mean, at the time I was too young to totally know, but I turned to reading about 100 leadership and self-development books. And through that, I feel like I just saw this pattern starting to emerge in a better way to live. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned like people are happy from material things like you know cars or promotions or raises and things like that. And I bet you that stuff wears off. And what you're describing with like you reading a bunch of self-help books and leadership books, it seems like you were searching for something deeper than just the superficial type stuff. Is that kind of what you uncovered in your time in the CPA world? Yeah, I remember I put together this $500 Amazon order for books, and I was so pumped about it. And it's not that those other things like did not appeal to me, but I think what I started to see was when I needed the money of my job more and more because it escalated my lifestyle, it gave me less and less choices to make a decision that maybe this wasn't the career for me. So going back to the book itself, did you write this for really any type of person, any professional really looking to do their best work? Or were you really thinking of yourself and a person who is in a similar spot to you where they're just not sure if this is the path they want to go on? I think that over the years, I mean, you know, fast forward from leaving the CPA firm, going into project management, falling in love with my work, realizing that like, how I treated my people impacted how they performed, learning and really discovering about performance and different techniques and tools. And so then stepping into the industry of speaking and writing, my heart, not to get this personal so fast, but like my heart breaks when I'm sitting at Starbucks and having a coffee and I see a man or a woman walk in and it's 8.32 in the morning. And you can just feel the life being totally drained out of them. And mm. it's somebody who's working hard, who has a kid or two, and just walking in to get a coffee to kind of keep going through the day. Now, it's not that they're broken. I think that this individual is maybe just looking for a solution and don't have time maybe to read a 200, 300 page book or where do you even go? And so if I go back to that picture, they're walking and they're ordering a cup of coffee while they're waiting. The feeling that they're giving off, it's not like I'm loving life. Then it snaps me back to my time at the CPA firm. 
It's an incredible career for some people, and a story that I'll, I guess, why not share the story now? There was a night at the CPA firm that coworker Jen and I, it was her, it was me, and all of a sudden she looks up at me and she goes, Josh, I got a tingly feeling. <laughs> and I'm like, this is good. I'm single at the time. <laughs> and all of a sudden she finishes her <laughs> sentence and she goes, I've got a tingly feeling because the numbers match. And I immediately remember being ticked off when she said that because I think to myself, when I do all this work and the numbers match, nothing changed. And mm -hmm. here's my coworker across the table, same role. We're doing the same duties. She gets pumped and I'm getting upset. And what I've started to discover is that inside of Jen's brain, when she experienced something as simple as the numbers matching, dopamine, acetocin, serotonin started to flood her system. And what we see is even something like serotonin and acetocin, it creates this chemical reaction that works its way to this thing called endothelial-derived relaxing factor, literally causes the blood vessels and arteries in your heart to expand. Therefore, more blood flow is going to your heart. So Jen truly loved her job as a result of having something happen that was exciting. That's so fascinating. She got the tingling feeling, numbers matching, you didn't. And I think that was probably a sign for you to say, I'm not in the right role. Totally. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably feeling the same thing. You ever hear people like say Sunday nights are just the worst because, you know, Monday's coming up and the yeah. weekend's over and now they got to go back to work. And to me, that's a sign as well that like you're not doing the best work possible. And you know, it's crazy to me. Like this podcast is all about transforming workplaces. It's about creating great workplaces with great people. And to me, if you're showing up to work and you're not doing your best work and you're not in it, we're so unproductive as a culture and a workplace if we have a bunch of people miscast or not doing their best work or not putting them whole selves into the work. I mean, is that how you would probably describe it as well? Yeah. And I think sometimes too, I mean, there is a group of people that don't want to show up and, <laughs> yeah, sleep, and they physically show up, right? But they don't. They find a way to hide in the organization, especially one of my consulting firms or clients that we were talking about, $25 billion organization and massive amount of employees. There are places for people to hide in that organization versus, you know, a lean startup with nine people. You can't hide there. So there's people that can hide, but there's also, I think, the vast majority of people that show up and human nature is that I want to win, I want to belong, and I want to feel rewarded for my time. And how many people are showing up, in essence, pushing down the gas pedal on the car, you know, the car that drove them there or the vehicle that transported them there, the gas was pressed down and the car responded. And so many people show up, they want this human nature of belonging, of winning, of feeling fulfilled, yet the return on that time and investment oftentimes does not even equal the energy output. That puts us in a very challenging situation. So when we talk about like personal growth, I mean, you stated early on in the book that, you know, what we did last year, if we do the same thing this year, you know, is that a recipe for success? You know, and there's obviously that overused quote of definition of insanity is doing the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again and expecting different results. And I always wonder, 
why people don't take action on new ideas. Let's take it back to the example where you bought $500 worth of books. Okay, you could have read all of them, which you probably did. And if you didn't take action on any of those ideas in the book, what's the point, you know? Because I guarantee you, you gleaned some ideas from those books mm-hmm. that would have allowed you to take action that was so different than what you've ever done in the past. But if you didn't take action, like, how do you expect to grow? Like, okay, you have the knowledge, but if you're not taking action, how is your life going to change? What would you say to people that are just not taking action? They're doing the same thing they've always done and they're not getting any different results. You know, it's, I mean, foremost, does somebody want a different result? I'm sure you've seen Gary Vee at some point. And one of the things I love most about what he says is he goes, if you're on four softball teams and get to play three hours of video games a night, you feel like you have won the lottery. Like, congratulations. Like, you are living the life that you truly want. And I think that sometimes, you know, is there this expectation that some people want to just show up and punch the clock? I still struggle to believe that because human nature is this feeling. It's innate inside of us to be fulfilled. And so why don't we take action? I think there's that group of people that maybe just don't want to take action. And even as I say at the end of this book, Five Days, is this is not the only path forward. There are hundreds of other paths forward and thousands of other resources that could help you. And I think that right there is also a huge part of the problem. I mean, how many different people or voices can you listen to I mean, just to be real, the amount of money that it takes coming into your household to keep the lights on, it's stressful. And I think for the average, I mean, when I see statistics of what an average family makes, I mean, that's where I snap back to that vision of somebody walking into Starbucks, wanting a coffee. And it's like, if they could just find a way to get turned on and you're talking about action, that's why I said, who has time to read a full book? I do. I try to, but mm-hmm. you gotta make time. Days? Exactly. Can somebody take out 10 to 12 minutes for five days in a row and hopefully start to gain some traction and some excitement? Yeah, it's funny, like just making time in general for things like that. I mean, we make time for, you know, watching Netflix and Hulu and all yes. those sort of things. It's like, is it really that hard to carve out? 30 minutes a day for reading a book. I mean, you could do an audio book too and mm-hmm. still get the same knowledge. And it's all about action, man. It's incremental it steps it and it's habits. Yeah, it's true. Because, you know, I try and stay focused on my eating. And I will joke with my closest friends and be like, I could be a Las Vegas all-star buffet and I could have this zen-like discipline where I am not going to touch anything that I should not. Yet, there's these other times when I'm strolling by and I see a gas station and I find myself in there getting a six-hour-old taquito thinking... (laughs) Gross. Yes, exactly. I mean, they taste delicious, but you know it's not good for you. And it's like, how do I go from one end of the spectrum to the other? And I think this is a hunch that I have. But we look at work-life balance. If three good things happen in a week, am I supposed to have three bad things happen? Like, what is balance? And I love this idea that I should draw energy from my work and I should draw energy from my life. And when one of those two sources is not allowing me to get a return on my time, then I feel like I'm stuck in the middle, which then 
too many resources, too many choices, or lack of something that seems compelling, and then I'm stuck there not taking action. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect lead-in to the five days. So day one, you suggest understanding where you're at. And I think that's a really good step just to understand what you're feeling, where you're at from you know, a mental standpoint, physical knowledge, like why did you write this as the first step? And what do you, you know, really recommend people, how do they understand where they're at? Because sometimes it's hard to look objectively and have self-awareness around like, okay, here's actually where I'm at. And then here's how to kind of move on from that. It's a good question that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> you know, how somebody finds themselves in, I don't know why I'm like feeling the weight of that shouldn't have taken myself to that Starbucks person. But, you know, the reality of everybody's situation, I think, you know, when we look at drivers, and I spoke at a total rewards conference, and it's like I said, money is still the number one motivator, like we need money to keep our lives going. But how do we look at these other pieces? And I think when you're looking at like, where am I, I look at somebody who's maybe making a buck 20 a year, hating their job feels locked in and they need to understand where they're at and start to be able to like get some context. Or I go to me two years into the CPA firm. If I leave, I'm going to be okay. But you know, I didn't have a family. I didn't have kids and a spouse mm -hmm. that was relying on me financially. And so you kind of have to see where in the spectrum you're at. One time I was with a group of medical students and one of them comes up after me and he's like, I'm one year away from being done and I want out. And it's like, you may actually have to walk through this for the next five to 10 years because you are hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt or into this. And is this the best strategy for you to get out and moving into something else? You know, it's a tough question because everybody's life situation is a little bit different. But I think when it's, okay, where am I? And, you know, what we found with the tingly feeling was this. It's often 4% of our work. And I don't talk about this in the book, but it's something that I've started to talk about a lot more is if you ask me, even if you go take me back to the CPA firm or you take somebody in their job or you, know, you run into your cousin at a picnic this summer and you say, do you love your job or do you hate your job? How does somebody usually answer that question? <laughs> they love their job. I don't know. Like I hear <laughs> all sorts of stuff, but I usually people say, yeah, I love my job. But they probably don't mean so it. it's <laughs> right. And it's usually people are like one end of the spectrum. And then what I've seen is, okay, so why? And if it's either money or my manager, either the money's great or the money's horrible or my manager's great or my manager's horrible. And it leaves us with like no discernible information on how to make the situation better. And so with the tingly feeling, we found that oftentimes it's about four to five percent of somebody's work week is this apex moment. The thing where the body comes into complete resonance, where the heart is just fully on fire for the work and the tasks that you're doing. And so many people will be like, well, Josh, I work with spreadsheets. <laughs> a couple months ago, I was with the gentleman and he was showing me something. He's like, Josh, the spreadsheet tells a story. And <laughs> I love it. I like and, this and, guy. I'm a numbers guy too, yeah. so I, I get it. Yeah. And you have to, like, if everybody could just let, themselves realize that there is a part of their work that is meaningful. That if it's that the spreadsheet tells a story, and I'm kind of leaving the question behind, but 
you've got to just, okay, where am I? Where am Mm -hmm. I? And then day two is kind of like, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want? I was having coffee with a guy yesterday and he just had his first kid and his second one is on the way. And he was saying, I've been so fired up for my career, but honestly, right now, I think if I could just kind of not coast in terms of stop applying energy, but like where I'm at right now, I'm enjoying this. I've got some decent flexibility. And if I could stay here for like 10 years, that would be amazing. And so even freeing yourself to say something like that, that I don't need to just make the next 510 or the next promotion. Hey, Brandon here to take a quick break to talk about the annual What People Want From Work survey presented by Zenium HR. The survey offers a look into your workplace through your employees' eyes. We're going to reveal what's working, what needs improvement, and what your employees want from the workplace. We're going to cover areas like leadership, workplace culture, management support, rewards and recognition, work environment, and so much more. It's a mix of qualitative and quantitative data. The deadline to register July 31st, 2019, and the survey will be open until August 31st, 2019. You'll get a free report in the end to tell you all about what your people want from work. You'll get your scores and a nice PDF report. If you want to participate, go to zeniumhr.com forward slash survey and you can sign up right away. Now back to the show. Go back to day one real quick. You talked about like taking inventory and I really like this point because we all have frustrations. We all have really good moments and stuff that brings us joy. You talked about the tingly feeling and you encourage people to take inventory of both of those things to figure out what really drives them. And I think that's what leads into day two, or like, where do we want to go? It's like, how do we bottle up more of the joy? Is there any particular way that you recommend people go through that exercise of taking inventory? And I think one of the simplest ways is going to be something, a tool like StrengthsFinder, or taking an assessment that gives you some insights about yourself that helps you find your motivators. The other thing is, is there somebody that you work with that you could get some insight from? What am I doing? And what am I doing that like makes a difference to the organization or like we work side by side? When do you notice I'm so full of energy and excited? And the strengths and weakness thing, it's hard for me to pinpoint on just that because as Marcus Buckingham will oftentimes say, like, Mm -hmm. it's not about what you're good at and it's not about what you're just bad at. A strength is something that strengthens you, that gives you energy and a weakness is something that pulls it. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen plenty of cases where somebody rose up through an organization on their weaknesses because they were a highly engaged employee. The organization came to them, their boss came to them and said, I need you to help solve this problem. And because their engagement level was so high, they figured it out and they took ownership of the problem. Fast forward five years, they're now vice president of solving this problem and they hate it and it drains them and it's killing them. And so, Taking this inventory of, okay, what do I do well and how do I begin to incorporate this more into my life starts to look at kind of like the energy of how we show up and not energy in a weird way, but am I energized? Am I excited? When time begins to go away, one of the words I talk about is meiraki, which is a Greek term that means the soul, the love, a part of you and your work. 
And I think the way that we can begin to see Meiraki and an example is, you know, you go to a restaurant and the server approaches you and reads the specials and says, okay, anything you need, I'll be here for you. And a totally like standard average transaction. Yet this server with some Meiraki shows up and they almost sneak up on you like the butler from Mr. Dietz. You're like, whoa. And he just bedazzles you with these words. And he's like, well, the tomahawk bone and ribeye, it's aged in this locker down in the Eastern market and it's lined with Himalayan salt. And mm. if you and I were to stand in there for just two minutes and lick our lips, it would remind us of the warm Mediterranean sea. And you're just like, I'm vegan, but I think I want that. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> exactly. And taking an inventory. My first company was called Prime 3 Coaching, which was a horrible name because it didn't stand on its own. But to me, it meant personal resource inventory management effect, Prime. Mm. And I just believe that as humans, we all have beautiful talents and skills that when we can inventory them in such a way, it begins to give us insight. And even as you can hear, I'm struggling to give a pinpoint on this, what we get into later in the days where we're starting to look at the employee brain is what I think starts to unlock an unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you talked about day two a little bit ago when I was reading the book and just thinking of myself personally, this is the hardest one. It's where do you want to go? And to me, this screams goal setting. It's what do I want to achieve? What purpose do I want in life? And how do you set goals to achieve that? And for a lot of people that just don't know how to set goals, I like to think I'm very goal oriented. I know how to set goals, but my God, I do not achieve every single one of them that I set out. And sometimes I forget some of the goals I set or don't make progress towards them. So I'm going to kick this back to you. How do you recommend people setting goals? And do you struggle the way I struggle with setting goals and getting where I want to go? Earlier this week, one of the boards I'm on, we brought in a strategic consultant to walk us through our three-year plan. And I said, I love what we're doing, but I hate goals. I set them and I feel like they're just reminders that I'm falling short. Mm -hmm. And there is this frustration of goals. And one of the things that has resonated so heavily with me is I heard Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about this example of where they had People come in and learn how to play the piano. They had like four different test groups. And I just want to focus on two for short of time. One test group came in and practiced physically on the piano with guidance for two hours a day. Another test group came in, did not physically practice, but was given guidance and told to imagine their hands and fingers moving. Essentially, they were practicing with a plan but not physically, they were practicing mentally. Hmm. And they found the same amount of growth patterns happening. They would scan their brain before and after. And the other two groups, I guess, one didn't practice and one practiced without a plan. They would just come in and they were left to their own devices. In both of those groups, there was no structured growth in their brain because we know that nerve cells that fire together wire together. And when we can create these patterns, we can begin to override and overwrite 
some of the things of the past. And so, you know, two goals to this idea of, you know, people might talk about like, well, create a vision board. And to me, I love a vision board, but I am stuck in my job working 70 hours a week trying to get to my son's baseball game this weekend. Like, I am trying to stay alive. Like, don't talk to me about a vision board. However, I go to that idea of if I don't have to physically practice the keys and in my mind, I can begin to put myself into what would that role look like? What are the skills that I would love to apply more? And I can go there when I'm falling asleep. If I can go there while I'm driving into work, I can begin to clarify the picture. And, you know, that's for me personally, because goals sometimes are so frustrating. Yeah, beyond frustrating. (laughs) Sometimes they're so frustrating that you're better off just not setting them at all. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So day three, you talk about determining what you love to do and what you're best at. And I pulled a quote that I liked and I want to get your reaction on it. So the quote says, we lost because instead of putting the effort into what we're best at and developing our talent, we focused on what we sucked at and became average in the process, end quote. And I think that's interesting because it reminds me of the saying, you know, you get more of what you focus on and a lot of people focus on the negative and their weaknesses and all that. Like, how are you thinking about that particular section about really trying to determine and focus on strengths and what you love to do? Do you think if you focus on that, you're going to get more of it and you're going to keep moving forward to what you want to achieve? I mean, yes, like I said, brain cells that fire together, wire together. And we've seen with the tingly feeling that it happens oftentimes about four to 5% of our work. And so why we need to get some attention and focus to it is, you know, you bring home that report card, there's three A's, there's two B's, and there's a C. What's Mm. the grade that's getting the attention? It's the C. Meanwhile, little Johnny's two years ahead in algebra. I mean, taking like advanced physics is smarter than the teacher in eighth grade. And we're like, you got to work on art. And so from this young age, we've been kind of groomed by the system. Nothing against teachers, nothing against the system. Just saying that's the way of conventional thinking that many of us have grown up in is focus on the thing that you're not doing well. Well, human dynamics, if I convert energy from something that is returning energy back to me, meaning I love math, I love physics, and I apply myself and I can grow at such a more rapid rate, like being on the highway going 80 miles an hour, then I take that and I try and focus on this back road adventure on a bicycle and it's frustrating and I make progress, but it's frustrating. And the other thing is, you know, there was a study done that by the time we've turned 18, We've heard, no, you can 150,000 times, 150,000 times. And I thought that was rubbish. Having three children, I realize (laughs) how easily it is to probably reach that number. (laughs) Oh, for Um, sure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just crazy. I know this research and I'm trying to not, at least not intentionally screw my kids up. And they found that by the time we've turned 18, we've heard, yes, you can. 5,000 times. So a 30 to 1 negative ratio. So focus on the C's. You know, stop taking all of your energy on the thing that's amazing. And then 
a 30 to 1 negative ratio. National Science Foundation says near 50,000 thoughts a day. You know, it did take me five years to get a four-year college degree, so I'm a simple Same man. Same here. But... I'm with you. <laughs> like, that's a bad ratio. And so we've got to fight so hard to create something new. We've got to fight so hard to go against that. Day four, you talk about that tingly feeling again. And, you know, you talked about the colleague who had that tingly feeling when she was getting the numbers to balance and you didn't have that feeling. You know, for people who maybe have experienced that tingly feeling or haven't, how do you recommend people examine that and, you know, really figure out how to get more of that? Because I think that's really what you're describing in day four. Yeah, in day four, we start to walk through the what I call the eight true north elements. And so with the tingly feeling, like how does this become actually applicable? You know, I think if in a one-on-one conversation, I love sitting down with having coffee or cigar with somebody and just having a conversation. And oftentimes, pretty quick, with a couple layers of question, you can get to something that, like my guy a couple months ago that said like the spreadsheet tells a story. Like that's a tingly feeling moment and you can usually get there. But these eight true north elements, we're trying to look at what is happening on the back end. What's happening at a maybe a non-conscious level? And we'll just take one of them, for example, and problems is one of these true north elements. And you take situation like solving problems at work. So I'll ask you right now, do you love big problems? Well, it depends (laughs) how much risk there is involved in it. But I like solving problems. So I I think it just depends on how big the problem is. But I do enjoy finding solutions to challenging problems. So yeah, I mean, the answer would be yeah. Sure. So for you, the answer is yes, I do. Yeah, I agree. I don't need to figure out how to bail out GM. Exactly. Yeah, it's all all relative. But it makes me feel valuable in solving um, problems, I guess. This is how I describe Perfect. it. Solving problems makes you feel valuable. Let's say that all of a sudden you're in a role that you're super happy. You love solving problems. You wake up one day and you think, I think I hate my job. And you're like, what the heck is going on? Hmm. I used to love this job. And then this tool helps walk you through and you realize, gosh, I've been on simple maintenance mode for three months and I haven't had a single problem to solve. So this part of you that you just love to tackle is not getting fulfilled. And then flip that around, somebody who hates problems, like an accountant perhaps, who, like for me with the accounting, the schedule was set for six months. You knew what client you were going to be at, where you were going to be. For my mindset, that was death. For somebody else, that's brilliant. It sets them up. And so... Can we start to get some insight into how is it that you truly operate? So, you know, the problems one is relatively simple. Do you love problems? Do you love solving them? Do you get energy from them? Do you feel reward? For me, when I can come in and help somebody solve a problem, I know that I'm helping create meaning and value. And those things come back and feed me. And so when I go too long without problems to solve, I'm like, what am I doing here? need to go to Barbados and open a cigar shop. Like, I need to retire. Day five, put a bow on this for us. So what's that final day look like? And then 
you know, take it even further than that. How do we make lasting change? Because I imagine it's hard to transform in five days. You've really got to make it a habit and even continue to take landscape and maybe even repeat these steps over and over again so it sticks. So what's day five? And then how do we keep going on this path to really transform the way we're thinking and to be passionate about the work we're doing? Years ago, I had a mentor say to me, Josh, sometimes you have to detach yourself from the outcomes and focus on your efforts. And, you know, the reason why we're frustrated in work is because of our outcomes. You know, maybe I want to lose 10 pounds and I think I should join the gym. Three days into trying to join the gym, I'm frustrated Mm -hmm. because I'm not getting the outcome that I want. And that's the precise time where I have to get so focused on my effort. And day five to me is a lot about like, who am I becoming? We're in a world of what are you doing? You run into your cousin at a picnic this summer. Oh, how's it going? What are you up to? What projects are you working on? What do you do? Like with no regard for who the human being is developing, (laughs) what is happening in the basement of their thoughts that is creating strength and momentum? And that's to me what this is about because You know, I worked in the service space for quite a few years during college and even when I was at the CPA firm as a server. And so every once in a while, I'd have a client come through with an American Express black card. Hmm. Are you familiar with what this is? Isn't that the one where you're super wealthy and you have huge amounts of money that you're putting on American Express so they give you that that black card? Like very rare, like not many people have that card. Very rare. Exactly. Unlimited spending ability. Unlimited, huh? No limit. Yeah, like Tiger Woods purchased a home oh with it and it wasn't gosh. it wasn't an efficient $250,000 condo, right? Imagine that you won the lottery or whatever and you got this and all of a sudden you think to yourself, "Ah, it's time to upgrade my vehicle." And so you go to the dealership and you pick out the you're like, "I want this upgrade." And they try to sell you the warranty and you're like, "Perfect, I'll take it." And the salesman's just pumped. And you pull out this black card and your ego just swells (laughs) and he takes it back and he's like there's going to be a three percent service fee you're like i don't care (laughs) swipe it and they swipe it and they swipe it again and then they look at you and they're like uh it's declined yikes and you're like what so you get on the phone with american express and you're about to tear into them and you're like i'm here at the dealership and i am what is and they're like so sorry would you like us to activate the card (laughs) and i think that so human potential and human greatness and the subtitle book human-like approach to better work is everything is so focused on like what are you doing and i think if we can realize that human beings have this incredible capacity but until it's activated until somebody comes along and believes in them or they can focus on who they're becoming mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. anything, we're not going to step into that incredible possibility on the other end. I think what's really fascinating to me about what you just described and even after reading your book, it's like days one through four to me seem like you're taking landscape of who you are, where you want to go, what drives you. And day five is a kind of this realization that it's an iterative process to grow and to be 
purpose-driven and to find the work that you love doing and that gives you that tingly feeling. And that's why in the book with a 30-day breakthrough, which allows people to basically jot down notes about everything from what you're best at, why you're here, who am I becoming, things like that. So you basically make the point that becoming who you want to be, it is a very iterative process. It takes steps and it's never done. And that's why I love who am I becoming? It's not, you're not already there in day five. You come to the realization that it is an ever evolving thing. A hundred percent. As a keynote speaker, I view the world in 45 to 60 minute increments. And, you know, a keynote to me is to come in and to open up an incredibly huge idea and deposit a few practical tools. And that to me is kind of what the book is just trying to crack open the door a little bit and say, hey, I think there's a way forward here. Unfortunately, it's going to take some effort and it's going to take some work. But, you know, I think we're also going to live longer than we ever have. The way that science and health is developing, I mean, our ability to live into our 70s and 80s, which means I think we're going to work longer, which means if you're 37 and you think your life is over, or you're 54 and you're frustrated, congratulations, you've got 30, you have like, what used to be an entire yep. career left, potentially yes. still in front of you. And like, why give up now? And I was about to get into just a little side passion, but it's like, it is your life. And I fundamentally believe that the world needs every human being's best work. And I don't know what that looks like for everybody, but it's in there. I believe the DNA of an individual like I said, back to human nature, back to human desire. That's why, you know, I can talk about these things, but with the research project that's currently going on, we are focused around that employee brain and trying to understand that neuroscience of what is truly going on and bumping that up against human nature and trying to identify how do we trigger because human nature desires, like it is not unnatural or it is unnatural to want to hate your work it is natural to enjoy it is natural to laugh it is natural to have fun so how do we allow those things to happen at work because culture products i mean imagine how beautiful things could look as more and more people get turned on josh schneider your book is five days to your best work yet a human-like approach to better work this is fun, man. I enjoyed the conversation. Where can people like learn more about you, get your book, anything like that that you want to point people to? The book is on Amazon. And yes, I know it's got some typos, but it is going to help. The website is joshschneider.com and you're regularly posting updates on LinkedIn with fresh ideas. I got to say, thank you for having me. You're on. very welcome. And just getting to spend some time together and hopefully open up an idea or two that helps one other human being find a little bit more of a path, a little bit more of a way to unleash their best work yet.